Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I am your host, Kareem Sirajuddin. Today I am joined by Muslim musicians who know how to rock it out and honor tradition at the same time. I'm honored to have them on today. They talk about their band, Seven Stations, and their latest album called Electric D1, where they infuse poetic lyrics praising the prophet and the divine with awesome oriental octaves and melodic rock, warm and spicy vibes that moves your body and keeps your heart connected to the divine. How so? Here's a little sample. They share more about the nature of this project, their intentions, how it was made. We got to discuss the role of music in Islamic history and culture. Support them by visiting the7stations.com. Check out their info, get their album today. I bought it last week and no joke, been listening to it like every single day. It's beautiful and one of a kind. Go purchase it today. Don't forget to support us at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem for as little as $1 a month. You can support your buddy Kareem. That's like less than a good cup of coffee in most places. And if you can't do that, do us a favor and go leave us a nice review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Today, I am honored with Brother Muhammad and Brother Meek. They have a band called Seven Stations and recently released an album called The Electric D1. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa wa So tell us more about this project, Electric D1, and where was the inspiration? Where did it come from? The album, it's a mixture of my personal history, um, poems that were written by the 20th century Sheikh Muhammad ibn al-Habib. He's a Moroccan Sheikh from Meknes, and my parents converted in the 70s, and part of their community was based around these songs. So we did rock and roll renditions of the melodies that go along with the, these poems also, and it works, you know, they, they work really well together, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's great. And when did you two both start playing music? The two of us met, I think, in 2010. We were at a Tet Leaf show uh, where I think Dean Tite, the movie, uh, was being shown at, at Cal State East Bay. And I had a gig with Tyson Amir, and, and we actually had a keyboard player that at the last minute wasn't able to play. And Muhammad happened to be there, and he just kind of walked on stage and started playing. And from there, we just started jamming and we were always supporting someone else, but then after a while we said, hey, let's just do our own stuff. And we started this project for Electric D1 literally three years ago. And it took so long, wow. you know, so much on and off and, you know, family issues and whatnot, but we finally just made it all happen, nine tracks, and we released it two weeks ago. So I'm it's, it's been a journey, to yeah. say the least. But 
with, with that being said, you know, we, we were pretty busy with our personal lives as most people are. And, you know, we both have families and it's, it's hard to uh, dedicate ourselves entirely to music, but we, we still keep it up as much as we can. Usually it's like, like a day, a weekend, we'll get together on an evening and put maybe compose a song or, um, you know, we'll work with a melody or work with a riff and just jam out. Other times we'll actually come in with an idea. And, we, you know, it's been a learning experience mu musically and spiritually. This this project has been a, a real learning experience for both yeah. of us. Amazing. Now, do you guys do other things besides uh, music in your lives? If so, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? I work in the, for a tech company in San Francisco and for the past 12 years, so just another tech guy doing his tech stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I come from kind of an academic background. I did history in school, so I wouldn't necessarily call myself a historian, but I, I studied history at UC Berkeley, focusing on uh, interreligious relations in Europe during the mid Middle Ages. That's my academic background. I also did music in school, music technology, music theory, currently working uh, in uh, a similar field. MashaAllah, that's great. Now, um, music is, is definitely kind of a controversial topic for the Muslim community. Um, I've had people message me about the podcast, you know, saying that there shouldn't be music in the introduction or otherwise. Um, and, you know, there's a spectrum there. There's people that say it's all bad. Others say, well, it, it's only certain instruments. And others say it has to do with the content. Um, clearly, you guys are lying on the part of the spectrum which says we can rock out as long as it has a good message and, and good vibes. Um, so have you been met with any controversy since the release of the album? Which, by the way, I love. I've, I've listened to it several times. I also have a, a personal, uh, you know, love for that type of music in general so it really just hit the spot for me um, as someone who also plays guitar and, and has always loved this idea of infusing you know the western side of myself with the eastern side of myself and i feel like this album really did such a great job i mean it's just well produced um great we did, did you guys produce that yourself everything um, ourselves from uh, even some of the instruments on the album I actually built so like the the drum some of the drums um, the recording mixing and mastering yeah the video we shot all of that in New Mexico I edited that all together a lot of the artwork with the exception of our album cover and our logo which were done by the wonderful Peter Gold and uh, awesome from Ilmco so yeah it's been you know we've done pretty much everything I laid down the piano and most of the tracks, the drums, and Mohammed pretty much did everything else. So just back to your question about music and Islam, and I've been hearing this debate ever since I became a Muslim, literally the day I became Muslim 17 years ago, I've heard this. I've seen a shift from music is completely wrong to, okay, music's okay as long as you know it has a good message and maybe you can't play certain instruments but even that's kind of getting tired at this point. It's really, okay, you have Sammy Yusuf, you have Mahar Zain, you have Dean Swope, you have so many mainstream artists that are making music that is relevant to Muslims and is completely halal in, in what they're saying. And I think if that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to be on that spectrum of people that are not just making it because it sounds good or, or whatever. It's more about what can the music 
lyrically do for someone and inspire someone. And I think, you know, if people are against that, that's cool. Like, go for it. But there's so many people that are receptive to that. And that's who we're catering to. And Allah knows best. I've been hearing the debate for a long time, and I've been experienced in the debate because my father went through a phase when I was around 13 years old, and he was in a Muslim community. Some of the leaders were saying that music, certain instruments weren't permissible, and uh, stringed instruments were in that group. And I think that two-sided drums that were covered, that was also in that category. So my dad went through this phase that was like no music, but it was right at the time when my musical interests were kind of starting. And I had asked him to get me a bass guitar for my birthday, and he said, absolutely not, that's not happening. And I begged him for it. I wrote him letters. I was I really wanted a bass guitar. Finally, he caved and he brought me to Guitar Center. And he was a musician growing up and he played guitar. So when he brought me to Guitar Center that day, I went off to look at basses and he started looking at guitars and all these new effects that he kind of had left music for a while. So he was being reintroduced to all these new technologies. And he was like blown away by MIDI. MIDI was just this amazing thing. We ended up walking out with a bass for me and this like really expensive MIDI guitar pedal for his electric guitar. And I think it just reinstilled in him the love for music that he had always had. And he was really, he was just suppressing that because it's really a natural thing for people. You know, pe people that are musicians and creatives, it's very unnatural to suppress that side of you. I think he realized that at that point. Right. I mean, essentially, music is any, you know, organization of melodies and vibrations, which is appealing, you know, and you're, you're, we're constantly surrounded with vibrations. I mean, sound itself is vibration. The Quran has a melodic uh, science to it, right? Tajweed, there's a certain way to recite it, just like there's a certain way to play a scale or a certain, a song with its timing. I mean, it's it's just, and you can't find any culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, Muhammad, in history where a people did not have some kind of musical expression. Or, you know, whether even if it was just percussion, there was something that had to do with rhythm and vibration. And you see this in children. Like my son, I've played the album for him. He loves the album. And he naturally dances and kind of sways to the melodies of, of the music. It's like, where does that come from? If nobody is showing him how to do that, it's like a natural intrinsic response that his heart and body yeah, I, you is, know, it's, is doing. It's interesting you say that about the music in, cult, in every culture, because that kind of brings me back to this idea of whether music is permissible and whether what we're doing specifically is permissible. Because at some point in history, in every culture, when Islam is being introduced into a society in history, those cultural aspects, the artistic aspects of those cultures and Islam merge together. And so Dr. Omar Farouk Abdullah says in his, in his article, um, Islam and the Cultural Imperative, he says that Islam is like a clear river flowing over the rock bed, which is the culture, and it takes on the colors of that rock bed. And I think that's a perfect metaphor for kind of what we're doing and what a lot of modern Muslim artists and musicians are doing. They're taking their their Islamic spiritual self and they're using their music and their artistic creativity and they're merging them together to create something new. That's what's happened with what we would perceive as traditional Islamic music now. Those, those were new at, at some point. 
Those came out of a merging of cultures, a merging of Islam with different cultures. And now we accept like the Oud and we accept Yemeni style of music, Moroccan style of music. They're, they all are distinct in their own way. And that if you look at the history, there was a time when those merged, you know. I think that it's it's important to recognize that. Right. So just like now we have a lot of established genres of music in the United States specifically, um, there's going to be most likely Muslims that are re-expressing some of these traditions through hip-hop, through spoken word, and certainly through rock and roll or alternative rock, whatever you want to call it, right? But just that idea of uh, instrumentation um, and, and tradition uh, being re-expressed, uh, it's just, it's really, it's really cool. And I think you guys, mashallah, really succeeded here um, in doing something that really synthesizes traditional vibration with modern, you know, vibration and technology, so to speak. I mean, um, again, I'm, I'm a, I love, I love the album. I, I think it's one of those albums where every song, uh, really just is its own beautiful jewel. Um, and it's, it's rare to get albums like that these days. Uh, I, I also haven't, even though I, I consider myself a, you know, musician part-time, um, I generally don't listen to music these days, you know, um, I'm really just kind of boring. Um, I'm usually, you know, listening to other things like seminars or podcasts or uh, even just record on and things like this in the car, just keep it very chill. And this was like the first time I was like, got really into an album again in a long time where I'm like, I just, that's all I want to listen to right now. And then the best part is, that the the album leaves you remembering Allah, right? I found this, like in the mornings I'll wake up and I'll be like singing, La ilaha Allah, you know, all the melodies of, of the songs that are just there. And I'm like, oh, this is great because I just feel like that's now on the forefront of my consciousness. Um, and there, And it's just a beautiful feeling to have something you enjoy so much that also leads you to remembrance of what is of utmost concern. So I thought it was uh, successful in that sense, for me at least. You know, one of my biggest goals with this project was to, you know, create something memorable, that something good that gets stuck in people's heads. You know, with modern music, modern pop, you know, music tends to get stuck in our heads, specifically pop music. And I think one of the reasons that the Quran is recited with tajweed and, you know, it's recited in a specific way that's melodic is because that is like a mnemonic device that serves to allow people to better memorize. We get music stuck in our heads, popular music. So by creating this project and this album, we're creating something for people that inshallah gets stuck in their heads. And it's a, it's a good thing to wake up and remember these, these words and these songs. And for me personally, creating the album, I've memorized a lot of these words. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, Mike? I wanted to read some of the actual English translation just to show the depth of what these lyrics are. And it's not just like we remembered some Arabic and that's cool. It's more of the actual meaning of the Arabic and the transliteration and how we can apply that in our life and whatnot. That would be wonderful. And as you pull that up, I wanted to just say, I think the other important um, item here is that, you know, yes, our youth are certainly listening to a lot of music. You know, there are many youth that listen to all kinds of pop culture and all kinds of stuff that we would even as parents be concerned or straight up against for them to listen to. And they're internalizing this stuff, right? 
And um, I mean, it's sad when I even work with certain people and they're like, oh, my daughter's favorite music is like Beyonce and she's like seven. I'm just like, well, that's not a good thing um, because that's, you know, you're developing all these associations and constructions about all kinds of concepts. So I almost feel like this type of music and music that's similar to it, it almost serves as a, a, a way to compensate uh, the dark energy that does exist with music out there and almost compete with us, compete with that dark energy. Because if you take a young person who's obsessed with listening to really dangerous music, let's say, and then you're like, you need to stop that and just listen to Quran and, you know, lectures, you, it's going to be very hard to jump that gap. So I almost feel like these types of projects also help people still, um, it bridges those two worlds. And the more you listen to something like this, the more your heart becomes softened and familiar with, let's say, the melodies of the Qur'an or other nasheeds, right? So I found that to be a value to a project like Seven Stations as well. And right now, Meek is going to share with us some poetry that's used in the album, and he's going to recite for us the translation so that we can get a sense of the, the beauty and the depth of, of the meanings here. So this is from a withdrawal into the perception of the essence, one of the poems of Sheikh Muhammad ibn al-Habib. The face of the beloved appeared and shone in early dawn. His light pervaded my heart, so I prostrated myself in awe. He said to me, rise and ask of me. You will have whatever you desire. I replied, you, you are enough for me. Away from you, I cannot live. Beautiful, beautiful. And the beloved here is with a capital B, talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is. Wonderful. It has a... It has its its own distinct style, but it this song in particular is very Rumi-esque because it could have romantic connotations as well, which, you know, I think the Western world loves. That's why they love Rumi so much, because when he's talking about God in his poems, people can perceive it and take it as distinct lover or talking about the love of, of your life. So it's, it's taken as a love poem or a romantic poem. Um, I think a lot of Sufi poetry tends to do that. Right. Now, why do you guys think that music has often been used as a factor in culture to enhance spirituality and awareness? Because some people think it's the opposite, right? But how, in your opinions, does music actually enhance or expand your spirituality? What are your thoughts, gentlemen? As I was saying earlier about using music and melody as a mnemonic device for memorization, I think that, that that's very important. But I also think that music can convey emotion and uh, positive and negative. Traditionally, uh, music in Islam has been used to promote those positive feelings. I feel like the tajweed has a very serious tone to it. It's not necessarily playful. I mean, mu music is used as a way to express so many different emotions, and it can be dark, it can be happy. In history, music in many cultures has been used as a form of medicine. We can treat depression with music, or we can even create depression with music. I feel like it can be used for good and for bad. In our case, and what we're doing, and I think in a lot of poetry and recitation and a lot of melodies that are associated with Islam and with Sufism, um, it's used in a way to promote and bring about those spiritual elements and, and bring about a, a feeling of connection with something greater, like a longing and, uh, and an excitement and 
you know, something that that just really brings that connection to God into the, the reciter or into the listener. If you think about it, the musical scales, all kinds of musical scales that tend to invoke various emotions, you can have minor scales, which leaves sort of a negative down feeling, and then you have major scales, which are more up and positive. And there's nothing inherently wrong or right with either of those. You know, it's important for whoever's creating the music to be aware of whatever emotions they're creating with their scales and with their musical notes. And it's just amazing how it all works. And again, it's not good or bad. It's kind of like technology. Technology isn't inherently bad. Music isn't inherently bad. It's just how you use it and how you can affect the listener. For sure. And I know for, you know, an Islamic civilization, we had, you know, centers for medicine and mental health and even music therapy. I mean, you have, for example, people like Al-Farabi and others who, you know, documented how minor scales can create kind of a sadder mood and uh, major scales are more bright and happy. And that this was even used sometimes in therapeutic treatment for depression and, and other conditions. Uh, do you guys, are you guys familiar with this in Islamic history and how music has been used besides um, another form of worship? I think I read an article at one point about it, how it was used for to treat ailments, to treat certain conditions, depression. Music is vibration, and our bodies, we're a vibration as well. We're energy that vibrates, and that those vibrations can work in relation to our own body's energy and vibrations, which causes us to feel certain emotions. And I think, in, you know, in my experience in, in songwriting and taking songwriting classes, minor scales, they can promote a certain negative feeling, like we were saying, and major scales can promote a certain type of happy feeling. But if you work them in combination in certain patterns, you can create a story, you can create a context, you can tell a story through music. And that actually can that can support the words. So if you're telling a story about something negative happened to me in the past, and you're talking about that, and you have a minor scale, and then the chorus of the song goes into a major scale about how now things are this way, which is positive, that song can evoke a a response of like longing and happiness, even though you're using those minor, the minor scales to create that, that kind of sad soundscape and that sad aspect of the story, you're presenting hope by picking it up to a major scale and telling about the things that are positive that are now happening. For sure. Yeah. I'm hearing you say like it does, it is a tool to create almost a journey of meaning through the vibrations and the, um, uh, the different experiences evoked through the notes. And, you know, for, for those of us who aren't musicians, I mean, just think about a really good film, like one of your top films that you love. It usually has a really good music uh, soundtrack, right? I mean, that's what makes a film more powerful is it has the right uh, soundtrack to go along with the story and the visuals. So this is kind of a similar um, uh, effect when you really dive into an album or a song. And the other point you're making here is that just like different cultures have different types of clothing and mannerisms and foods and cuisines, uh, even topography of the land, it gives you a, a kind of a, a peek into the world of that culture and how people are. And what's interesting is also the types of music that come from different parts of the world are influenced by their environments. And so you also, you know, by hearing music, you also learn more about the people themselves 
and their struggles and their challenges as well as their successes and the gifts that they have in their society. And the last point which I heard you say was this idea that it is vibration and energy and we are surrounded by this uh, in our environment as well as the body itself is constantly producing uh, different forms of biochemical electrical energy and just the heart itself. I mean, we know that the heart has a certain beats per minute, doesn't it? Um, and even drums and percussion is one of the first things that I think you find in, in musical cultures um, because it reflects that kind of beat of the body. Uh, and so this may also suggest why there's a sense of harmony or familiarity with music in the human species. With our music video that we put together for our first single, the music kind of guided that, that story and the feelings that we got and we were trying to express through, through the music is what we put into the, the video. So the video tells the story of a traditional Muslim healer, Hakim Marcelletta, um, an amazing man. He's, he's healed and helped so many people in the global Muslim community. And he, he has a son who has a disability, cerebral palsy, and is completely unable to take care of himself. And he's, he's over 30 years old now, and Hakim has been taking care of him, has been the sole caretaker of him, actually, for his entire life. That love and devotion that Hakim has for his son, really, that devotion is at the heart of Islam and Sufism and what these poems are really expressing. It's the relationship between the human being and God and that, that devotion that we feel. Yeah. To be in service, to be in service. Right, exactly. And, and those, those ideals and, and those, you know, kind of underlying principles in Islam, we were trying to convey that through this story. So, alhamdulillah, we've had great response uh, to the video. People, you know, so we've had people cry uh, because there's just this beauty that you see in that relationship. And in everyday life, you might not necessarily look at it from that perspective with all of the craziness of the world. And it's hard to take a moment to just appreciate that kind of a relationship or that kind of a thing. It's hard to step back and really look at it from that perspective. So we just wanted, we wanted to tell that story. Alhamdulillah, really had a profound effect on us and a lot of people. Another reason that we went with that story is because we decided to put together a launch good campaign fundraiser for Hakim and his son um, because his van had broken down, his wheelchair accessible van had broken down, and he didn't have a means of transportation for his son. And it was very difficult for him to get from one place to another. We thought it would be a good idea to put together a campaign. And the response to that campaign was also phenomenal. And we raised over $25,000 for Hakeem, and he's rec recently purchased a uh, cargo passenger van. He's actually going to install the wheelchair lift and the wheelchair locks into the van, and it's new. And so, you know, I just want to take a moment to thank if any donors to that campaign are listening to this podcast. We thank you immensely for your support of the campaign, and may Allah bless you for doing that. I mean, thank you for sharing. And yeah, the video is very inspiring. We'll have a link for that in the description of the show. Um, really just raw compassion and service. And I, I do know 
uh, Sidi Hakim as well, and we do have an episode with him that will be coming out later this year. So it's really uh, wonderful that he was a part of the the video. I was it was really nice to see him, um, and uh, I thought you guys did a great job at, at really capturing that um, that that meaning in in the video. Alhamdulillah. So what's what's next for Seven Stations, gentlemen? What are your goals with this album, um, and what would be your your dreams to see? Uh, how this album will influence or impact the Ummah, and what are the next steps you'd like to take as a band? The response so far has been amazing, and really, we just want to expand the audience that we already have right now, and you know, whether that's in other countries like Turkey, Malaysia, Pakistan, etc. But yeah, we're slowly seeing response from Lahore, uh, from Ankara, Turkey. So it's it's been cool to see that but we really just want to get the word out and by doing things like this podcasts and we have a pretty big article coming out uh, next week so be on the lookout for that you know we just want to talk to media outlets that are interested in what we're doing and kind of have it grow organically from there and we know that there's going to be people that disapprove of what we're doing and we know people are going to love it and some people will be indifferent but we're just trying to find more of the people that really would appreciate what we did, uh, you know, over a three-year time period to put this together, and so yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think you asked earlier if we had had any criticism so far since we've released the album, and I just wanted to kind of touch on that. So um, we've we've had a couple people question if it's halal, and even before the album was out, I actually attended an event. It was a, a panel speaking on. Islam and creativity and Islam and art. And they were they were talking about geometric patterns. They were talking about, you know, Islamic art today, calligraphy, modern artists. And I thought it would be an interesting question to ask about whether it's possible to convey Ihsan and Islamic kind of ideals of beauty through modern artistic expression. And I mentioned my this project as an example and i think that the response was made that they gave was mainly to the to, to this project and trying to merge rock rock music with you know traditional islamic poetry and you know a couple of people on the panel they critiqued it and they kind of had their issues with it while others on the panel were very supportive and it, everyone has their own perspectives on it and we, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion about music and about this project specifically. And, you know, it's going to meet, it's going to hold meaning for and value to some people, but it's going to be problematic to others. And, and that's fine. But, you know, ideally, while what Mike is saying is true, we do want to get it out to as many people as possible because we feel that it's an important project that has meaning and it has substance. But I also feel like it would be great to get into the, the modern music world in America and in, in Western culture. It would be great to build an audience of non-Muslims as well. We've had positive response from even non-Muslims who say, you know, what are you saying? They, they want to know what we're saying in the music. And they say, it's great and they they really enjoy it so i think it, this almost could be a means to deliver a universal message and islam to to the masses that's kind of the the larger 
the larger motive and goal. I don't know if that's necessarily what will happen with the album, but we've already received so many positive reviews and, and kind words and just support for this project. And that is enough to, to make me satisfied with, with what we've done. As long as it's even touched one person in a positive way, that's really the goal. So, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. No, it's a very important point. I mean, I know when I was younger and listened to all kinds of bands, there were a few Christian rock bands that I was like, oh, these songs are cool. And they became mainstream. And they also had like pretty positive messages, you know. Um, so similarly, this this Seven Stations project could do something uh, like that and open up people's curiosity to, you know, what is what is it that they're saying? What's this poem about? And then that could be even a way where they start to learn about the Dean of Islam. So that's that's inshallah, hopefully will be one of the fruits of this project. And uh, once again, beautiful project. Um, I'm a huge fan. I love the the songs, and um, I hope others will give it a chance. And um, gentlemen, is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? I would just like to end by just a little promo of the album. So you can visit the7stations.com um, and you can find our music video. You can keep up to date with us. You can follow us on YouTube and on social media to keep up with with all of the happenings and future plans with the with the project. The album is available online at the7stations.com for $8. We appreciate any support. Absolutely. We'll have the links of all that in the show. Please support Seven Stations today. And Meek and Muhammad, thank you so much for coming on the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. It's been great talking. <laughs>